Are we recording? No, too much, too much, too much, too much. Hey, everybody, welcome to Ducks Watch Together. I'm Josh. Sorry, I'm Kylie. And on today's episode, you get you get worried that people don't know who I am. Well, they don't. Who cares? I care. I'm just a voice. You're a wonderful voice. You should have an identity to that voice. And on today's episode, what are you looking at? And on today's episode, we talk about the Leica films ranked. When did you figure out how to pronounce their name? Me? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I ever had it wrong. Oh. <laughs> I feel like I just heard it and I was like, all right. Yeah, I did. It was sometime, like, because I remember when we were talking about Kubo, I didn't know how to pronounce their name. And then somewhere along the line, somebody said it and I was like, oh, I guess it's Leica. There you go. I just do more re- intensive research. You might also be better at pronouncing out words than I am. I think, I'm pretty sure I just heard it on a podcast. That's probably also fair. And now here we are. Here we are today to talk about the films of Laika. Kylie, why are we doing this episode? Because uh, we just did Laika. Oh, sorry, we just did Missing Link. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. So we're like, let's pair all the Leica films with it? Yeah, did you have a better yeah. thing to pair it with? No, I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Missing Link wasn't, like, originally on the calendar. It got added, like, last minute. True story. <sighs> yeah. Here we are. And now we are here talking about all five Leica films. Mm-hmm. Not Corpse Bride, though. Because though some organizations might list it as a Leica film, Leica does not list it as a Leica film. And therefore, it does not count. I mean, you I think they were just hired out to make it. You don't matter. Well, I mean, who really wants to talk about Corpse Bride? That's it's number six. It's bland and boring. Next, please. Okay, great. Done. We got that, <laughs> got that one out of the way. The guy doesn't seem interested in either of these ladies. Uh, Kylie, do you have any, uh... Oh, sorry, before we jump no, in... No, I that. don't have any rule provisos, quid pro quos. It's five films that have already randomly been selected for us, and I just have to put them in an order. Fair. That wasn't my question. <laughs> we'll get to my questions in a second. Uh, but before we do that, I have a question for the audience, which is the inquiry of the half-squared Fortnite, which is... What's your Leica ranking? Tell us below. You're gonna hear ours. a better one. Oh, fine. Mine's a good one. Okay, yeah, Mine's go for it. a good one. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, like, besides Leica films, what's your favorite stop-motion picture? Isn't that list? Isn't that like four films that you can pick from? Well, then pick from them. Besides Leica films, yeah. So we're not counting Corpse Ride. So Corpse Ride counts here. Sure. Frank and Weenie. Sure. Um. Both of you were watching. James Anderson's. the Giant Peach. Peach. Uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Mm-hmm. Uh, Isle of Dogs. Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh-huh. We got six. We're up to six. Yeah. Man. Nightmare. Nightmare Before Christmas is my favorite non-Leica animated film. Okay, I don't have one. <laughs> this, in fact, was a better question. <laughs> I hate all of them. They all suck equally. I don't hate them. They make me think that I want to rub felt puppets on my teeth. Okay, well, only two of them make me want to do that. I, it would probably be Nightmare Before Christmas, just because of my disdain for everything else. By default? Yeah. <laughs> Cause like I don't I don't hate Nightmare. I think oh, the good. music's good. Yeah, it weirds me out. Danny Elfman's here for you. <laughs> Only sometimes. He's like Oingo Boingo makes a movie. Yeah. Oh no, I have the answer. Oh, what is it? 
Um, Anomalisa. But oh. you left out you left out of your Hardman and the, the, the films. Oh, Hardman films. Yeah. You've got Shaun the Sheep. You've got Pirates. Wilson Gromit. Pirates. Oh man, there are those too. A little yeah. called a town called Panic. I actually really like Shaun the Sheep. Mary and Max? Oh, we wow. left out Mary and Max? We did horrible at oh, this. Oh, man. Okay, new answer. Sean the Sheep the movie. Sean the Sheep. It's so good. My life as a cucumber. As a courgette? I just like the word courgette, Kylie. Okay, well then, you have to do it all in French. Me life as a courgette. It's ma vie. Ma vie uh, as courgette. A courgette? Why don't we just say the word courgette? Because we say zucchini. Cucumber? Cucumber. Oh, it's zucchini. <laughs> Why is he a, 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 a cucumber? Because that's the name that's on the door. <laughs> oh, okay, great. I don't think I ended up seeing that one ever. What? Was, I, I wanted to. It's a very like a film. Yeah? Not just because it's, it's that motion. Ah. Yeah, there's a lot of options, Mr. Dijoni. Yes. <laughs> okay, fair. Look at you, Google. Yeah. Having all your information over there. No, I got these from my brain. <laughs> you just wanted to make me look bad first. Yeah. Yeah. That's my job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the answer is Sean the Sheep. I also like Anomaly, so quite a bit. Mary and Max is also really solid. Mary Max. Mary Max. Which Mary Max. we've talked about Mary and Max before. Mary and Max. Yeah. Alright, well everyone, if you want to tell us why we're dumb for not thinking of other films, you can do so at friendofafriendpodcast.squaredspace.com You can also leave us a review on iTunes. And now, on with the show. Friends. Romans. Countrymen. Lend me your ears. I come to praise Laika, not to vary it. For the... <laughs> okay, cool story. For the goods of a movie company trying outweigh this one film that wasn't so strong. Yes, agreed. Uh, I'm what a, is... I'm a modern day Shakespeare, if you didn't know. You are. You might even be a Christopher Marlowe. I don't know what that means. That I want is... to be more like Kenneth Loggerman. Loggerman? 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 So he wrote Manchester by the Sea. I can't beat it. By the Sea, Mr. Kenneth. Get out of here, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Kylie, what was your relationship to Laika prior to... Uh, Missing Link. Acquaintances. Acquaintances? Yeah, I'd seen two of their films. Yeah? Yeah, one of them is highly disturbing. And then the other one broke you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's my story. Cool. Awesome. Um, I don't think I have passionate feelings towards Laika, but I liked them. Like, we were, we were like, we were friends. We'd chill every now and again, like, whenever they came around. We'd be like, hey, what's up? How's it going? But other than that, you know. Wouldn't like if we didn't live in the same city, we wouldn't really talk to each other, kind of thing. Kylie, you you have a you have a worried look on your face over there. Why the heck did we do Missing Link then? <laughs> I thought you really liked Laika. That's why I was like, listen, Josh, we'll do like we'll do Missing Link. You like Laika. I do like Laika. I don't love Laika. I don't love Laika. I like them. I think that they are a good studio. If I. Laika and, like, Ardman might be on a similar level for me, though I think... Yeah, no, Laika might be better than Ardman. Who knows? I have... Okay, so... 
Can I make a can I make a statement? Yes. Having seen one Ardman film. Okay. Is Sean the Sheep an Ardman Sean, film? Sean the Sheep. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make two statements for our... For my, having seen two films, I will make my statement. What's your other one besides Sean the Sheep? Oh, I've only seen one. You're right. Okay. okay. <laughs> no, Early Man. No, I, I was right. Okay. I had two. Oof. Okay. <laughs> Yikes. Early Man, not a good representation. No, but here's my thing. Okay. One of these studios, a little bit more appropriate for, like, families and, like... Children of all uh-huh. ages. One of them, you gotta be a little bit cautious with at times because it's a little terrifying at times. Yeah. And creepy. Yeah. And horrifying. Yes. Which, like, I mean, like, it's good to scare your ch- kids sometimes, but, like, in a safe environment, not in the Coraline environment. Uh, can I can I hot take you? Yeah. Coraline's not the most terrifying like, film. What's the most pair of terrifying? Box Trolls. I'm pretty okay with it. I'll show it to a child. Swelly McSwellerson over there is gross. He's allergic to cheese. Yeah, he should stop eating it. Well, you know what, Josh? The kids need to be ready for when their kids, when their friends swell up after eat, accidentally eating peanut butter, and they need to take the EpiPen and stab it into their thigh at a 45 That's degree angle. That's not what happens in then... the movie. They literally <laughs> watch him explode. Yeah, well, what else were they going to do? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Um. Yeah, I like them. I don't love them, and I'm not not saying I have anything against them. I just outside of Kubo, I don't think anything really like penetrated my like needs of life. I mean, at the end of the day, Kelly, I wasn't the one that suggested this. Yeah, because I thought you really liked these people, and so I was like, you know, like. You give the olive branch. I threaten you, and then I make it up by giving you the olive branch. <laughs> by letting you do a episode on your favorite animation studio after Pixar. D- Disney? What? Oh my gosh, it's the same conglomeration. Okay, alright, fair enough, fair enough. Favorite non-Disney animated studio? Probably. Ah. <sighs> I'm, I'm going to ignore everything that's happened. I'm going to refresh. I'm going to have a great attitude on this. This will be a great episode. I watched some films. I only watched two of them. I didn't rewatch all of them. I'd seen Coraline within the past year, so I was like, okay, I got this. Yeah. And Kubo, you know, I watched that one time, but I don't need to see it again. <laughs> I rewatched Paranorman for an episode we did earlier this year, mm-hmm. so I didn't rewatch it this time. Um, but I did watch the other four. So, yeah. Though, Kubo, I will definitely say, was playing in the background, just because I'm I'm the most familiar with that film. I've seen it the most recently, the most number of times. Such along those lines. Coraline, I don't think I'd seen since 2009, when it came out. I really like Coraline. So, yeah. It's a good time. Um... All right, so I I want to start it's the with the greatest use of three D in a film of all time. I, I, I respectfully <laughs> disagree. <laughs> what are you putting above? Life of Pi. <sighs> That's a hack. <laughs> it's Ang Lee. So it's good old Ang. So he's he's like got a tiger and he's like roar. <laughs> And there's a boat! <laughs> That's the thing that Griffin Newman says with J.D. Uh-huh. Armando, I'm pretty sure it is. And then David Sims always scoffs at them. And he says, no, it's Avatar. Oh. <laughs> See? 
But Davy likes Avatar. They yeah. both do. Yeah. I don't dislike... I think I feel about Avatar and Missing Link like and, real the same. And all of Laika the same way, Kylie. No, I feel I, the same I way actually really Avatar. like a lot of Laika. Good. Then yeah. be gracious for this episode. <laughs> Listeners, if I die this episode, you can come back to it as a reason. Uh, I want to start with overall thoughts on Laika now that we've kind of been immersed in their milieu, so to speak. Their their ideas. Uh, what are your kind of overall thoughts on Laika? Thumbs up. Yeah. Thumbs up? Yeah, okay, wait, okay, so I'm not a parent, right? Okay. So I, so like, sometimes when we watch, like, these animated films or, like, these, like, animated films that are intended for some younger audiences, you know, I think it's okay to have films that are intended for younger audiences and people of any audience can go and enjoy it and that's fine. But yes. I sit and I ask myself, how am I going to view this? Do I view it as me, a 25-year-old? Okay. Or do I view it as what I think, like, for a child? Okay. So, like, there's two lenses I could look at this. Can I offer a third one for you? Sure. As Jack Torrance. (laughs) Because you gotta view that movie through his point of view. (laughs) So you could view every movie as Jack Torrance. Is that what we tried to do? That's what we tried to do for The Shining. And I was like, I'm supposed to view this through him? Yeah, yeah. He sucks! Sorry, sometimes I make callbacks to episodes that happened like Six two years, years ago. ago. That was back on the couch days. Uh, the Shining might still be one of our better episodes. <laughs> we were doing a commentary with it as well. Yeah. Um, I hadn't seen that film in so long. <laughs> like, we were just talking off the cuff about it. Maybe yeah. that's how I should do it. Not watch the film, just talk about it. Just take the microphone to the theater with you and just be like, Oh, listeners, I am here today. I could have done that in Missing Link. You could have. <laughs> no one would have stopped me. They never came and checked to see if I was still breathing. <laughs> so bitter. Alright, two ways to watch a film. Okay, well, two lenses. Yes. In which to think about a film. Yes. Like... How would I view this as for myself? Or, like, how do I view it in terms of a... How I think it would be for a child? Because I think I talked about this on the Kid Who Would Be King episode, where I was like, sure, had I been, like, 12 and I watched this, this film would have been gangbusters. I would have loved it. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm 25... I was 24 at the time. Yeah. And I was like, eh, whatever, it's fine. And so sometimes I think of, like, I question, like, is this a good kids film uh-huh. or a good uh, or a good film and so with Laika Laika is a film where if I thought about showing it to a child I might be hesitant with some of these I might not like little little kids I might wait till they were a little bit older or if they were like man I really want spooky things I'd be like okay yeah I agree with you I feel like this is a like fourth grade fourth fifth grade and up kind of studio except for maybe missing link mm-hmm. i don't see any really i think that with most of them that older child audience of like 10 ish yeah is probably most appropriate also there were some scary things happening yeah in a few absolutely of these. um my overarching thoughts of like uh, i think have really have you're watching a short film was that a like a film that was a like a film terrifying yeah i only um, saw the last like 30 seconds and like a little boy gets left on the moon to die yeah well for matthew (laughs) he was pretty excited about it so uh that was their test short film so leica as a studio started out as um will 
Thurston, I'm fairly certain that's the right name, Productions. And Will Thurston Productions' most famous claim to fame was a lot of, like, stop-motion commercials. His biggest ones including the California Raisins and the Domino's Noid. Um, bring and, back the Noid! Bring back the Noid! Bring back the Noid! And then... That's who I would be if I was in Ready Player One. I'd be the Noid. You'd be the Noid? Yeah. That's solid. <laughs> that is a solid avatar. You win. Um, so he got hooked up with, uh, not Travis Knight, whatever Travis Knight's dad is, the owner of Nike. And Nike and him came together to form Leica Studios. And with that, they came together to form Leica, two, two sides of the studio. There's basically Leica Entertainment and Leica Marketing. And Leica Marketing... Phil Knight? Phil, there it is, yes, uh, was commercials. And that was how they made a lot of their money, is through their commercial and development there. They also had a CGI division for a while as well, which is why their first short film is not stop motion, it's CGI. Um, that being said, Phil Knight eventually then buys out this Will Thurston fella, and he's then in charge of it. And eventually his son, Travis Knight, who was an animator with Leica, becomes the well, president. he was originally CEO. a rapper. <laughs> Excuse me? He was originally a rapper. Oh, okay. He was Chili Tree. I did not know this. So, yeah, so he was Chili Tree because his dad had, like, a studio. He made a five-song demo as Chili Tree. Man, if only my dad owned Nike. I could just do whatever I wanted. <laughs> wow, isn't that... What all rich people think. I mean, yes, exactly. And man, just... if my dad owned Nike, owned Nike, I might fix the water supply in Flint. That could, that that goes with doing whatever you wanted. <laughs> oh my gosh, I went on this huge rant the other day about Congress because of um. So Congress is wading into this Spielberg versus Netflix situation. Why? Because don't they're... they have more important things to worry about? Yeah, Flint doesn't have any water. That is literally what I said, and was like, so apparently they're they're saying that if the Academy bans Netflix, they're creating a monopoly over their system, and they they're breaking antitrust laws, and and literally my response to that was Flint, Michigan doesn't have water. Like, come on, Congress. Mm-hmm. Get your crap together. Worry about the movies last. Yeah. Put right? that last on your list. Like, movies and sports. Stop regulating those right now. Go give Flint, Michigan water. Anyway, um, Leica as a studio, I love their art. I love their craft. I love what they represent. I like that they're a little bit older quote-unquote children's storytelling. I think that most of their films play out for a broader audience than just to children. Um, I like that they've got elements of of kind of scary and terror and horror in them. It is clear that there is a type of artist and person that they like to bring in. And in... Rich In a lot of ways, their artists kind of seem like they're not... Not saying that this studio has any connection to Don Bluth... But they're Bluthian in their inspiration because Bluth was not afraid to be a little terrifying for children also and play to a little bit of an older child's audience. And I think Leica is true as well. Their art is good. Their storytelling is good. Their, their movies are overall fantastic. Here's what I've noticed about Leica upon this rewatch. They're a lot white. They're a lot male. 
they're a lot privileged and they don't oh, yeah. when you said like they like to bring in a lot of people and i said rich but it, yeah i don't know if the i don't know if the mic picked me up there folks i mean so they're based in portland oregon and living in the northwest and like i like portland don't get me wrong nothing wrong with portland portland has its issues Meaning that, and I think they're really represented in Leica Studios themselves. Portland is a progressive town. It likes to be a very liberal-leaning town. It is a very liberal-leaning town, but it's also a very sheltered town. It's not a very diverse town in some ways. In some ways, there is a lot of diversity in that town, but in a lot of ways, there's not. And I think that that representation, that lack of representation in their films is very clear. I also think that Leica coming from a studio that is Nike, that is from father to son, that is very patriarchal, you can see the patriarchy, you can see the male vision, the male point of view coming out very strongly in a lot of their films. I, there is, yes, their first film is Coraline. And that being said, within Coraline, there are a lot of female characters. There are more female characters than male characters. Setting Coraline aside, the closest thing we have to a female lead of a, like a film, is the girl in Box Trolls. She's not the lead. She's the sidekick. She's she's very much that. But, like, she's probably got the second biggest part in that movie. She's pretty cool. She's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's because there's not another fanning sister to give more work to. So, with all that being said, I don't think Laika as a studio has the best portrayal of women. I don't think there are very many... So if Again, take Coraline aside. Because Coraline, as a story... Though I have issues with it, and I think they've further into the issues of Leica as a studio, Coraline aside... Coraline itself is also based off another piece of work. Yes. And I think it's the only one that is. Other than, like, maybe taking, like, tales and stories right. and myths. It's the only one that's based off of a specific, like, we're going to base this off of... A book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when they're developing characters in-house, they're developing a lot of males... A lot of white males, a lot of, and the women characters end up being fairly one note, fairly naggy, fairly off to the side, just catalysts to our story, or or in some cases prizes, or and so I I don't want to talk about Leica without mentioning that I think it's got its vague tenders of problematic flaws because at the end of the day I actually think that they are trying to do good in the world and portray good stories it's just this idea that and I think this is really similar to gosh dang it green book um I'm not applauding I'm not applauding green book I know everyone. I'm I know. applauding my inception <laughs> because it's white men trying to solve the problems of the world without consulting the other people of the world and not saying what is your story like how can we tell your story through your lens um and a lot of that can even go into something like kubo and we and we talked about this when we talked about kubo a lot in 2016 um, 
they're they're Asian characters of some kind, but they're voiced by white folk. Matthew McConaughey, Charlize Theron, Art Parkinson, and yes, there are supporting characters in there who are who are of Asian descent in some way, shape, or form, but not the leads. Rooney Mara, Ray Fiennes, you know. So, I don't want to have this conversation outside of the context of, I think Laika can do better. I think they are trying to do good in the world, though. And that, to me, is something that is worthwhile. And I guess we can talk some more about those elements as we get to the movies. Yeah. But... Chronological order? Chronological order. Here All we right. go. Number one, Coraline. 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 Okay, like so... Coraline. Shocker, everyone. Shocker. Do I just say my number? Should we start out with numbers each time? Sure. Two. Four. Okay, so Coraline's my second favorite film. Coraline is my second to least favorite film. Wow, why? Why do you hate this film? I don't hate this film. It's like, I think it's a solid three and a half for me. Mm -hmm. Um, It is... I love the animation. I think it's really... like Okay, I'm just going to blanket say, I love the animation of Laika. Period. I don't have to say it again. It's well animated. Mm Mm-hmm. Coraline is annoying. Like, Wait. Coraline as a character annoys me. Also, the fact that she calls YB, why were you born, is really unforgivable to me. Not, like, unforgivable in the way of, like, you're a terrible human, I'll never like you. But, like, someone needs to take this child and tell her that's not right. Mm-hmm. Like, and so, Coraline as a character... Does she consistently call him that throughout the film? Throughout the whole film. Mm-hmm. Um, I It's at least through the first two-thirds. I believe she says it playfully at the end, but I could be misremembering that. So I'm not going to say that factually 100%, mm-hmm. but I think it's still true. Um, Coraline as a character is somebody who... Uh, she wants what she wants. She's a child. She just wants her happy world. And the tagline of this is, be careful what you wish for. And so, I, I get that she's feeling neglected. Just moved into the house. Like, new place, trying to figure it out. Parents are really busy. That's a good setup. I like that setup. It's all good there. And I understand why at the start of the film, she is a little bit more... She's a little rough around the edges as a character. I just don't ever think that through the course of the film, and I don't ever feel like through the course of the film, that she ever really learns to not be that way. I think what she does learn is that her parents are doing the best that they can, and that's okay. And I don't think her parents ever learn to pay attention to Coraline more. They just learn like, ha, the magazine deadline's in. We got there. Now we can pay attention to our daughter. And so I just wish as a whole with Coraline that the messaging of the movie about... Because I think it's, be careful what you wish for, because when you get it, it might be a crazy spider lady. I don't know. It's really muddy in what it is. And it's really muddy in what it's trying to do. It's a good movie. I enjoy watching it. I think there are some amazingly created sequences. The characters are fun. Uh, that song that the other father sings gets, has been stuck in my head since 2009 and is now back. So good job, everybody. But overall, I just think that as a film, it doesn't quite come together satisfactorily in terms of whatever it's trying to say. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel that way when I read Coraline. So I would say that the book and the movie are actually very similar. Yeah, the parents okay. themselves, what I liked about the parents not learning 
the lesson is that the parents aren't the ones on this adventure to learn right. the lesson. And that that's what it feels more naturalistic and realistic of the parents are no longer busy. So now they can pay attention to her. But the parents themselves don't learn the lesson through it. Like the parents are just there as a means for Coraline. But what lesson does Coraline learn? You know, I think she stops being less of a horrible person. (laughs) Something that I like about Coraline itself, as I talked about on the Alice in Wonderland episode is that Alice in Wonderland and is one of my favorite Disney films and Alice in Wonderland and Coraline are very similar in its pacing and things yeah. of it's just this girl going through this magical world and like everything is kind of falling lopsidedly and that's what I guess I appreciate the most and with Alice in Wonderland Alice herself doesn't really learn a lesson she learns like the real world's kind of cool too yeah there's no evil queens well yeah. well well <laughs> well <laughs> but I, I i just find something very enduring and Coraline is is realistic to me as a child because yeah there are some very bratty children out there yes but she doesn't annoy me for some particular reason because like as you're watching you're kind of like this child i don't want to say the word deserves but she kind of gets what's coming to her with the way right. that she treats those around her. Yes. And that's almost like the lesson that she learns is that as I, like, while she was a terrible person within this world, when she leaves the world, she's like, wow, maybe I should be better. Yeah, I agree with you. And, that... like, why be when she's in the other world who doesn't speak with her? Uh-huh. She realizes, like, wow, I kind of liked YB being able to talk yeah. and like things. And so, like, I think that that's somewhat of the lesson that she learns and that it might not be so poignant and like with little kids they might not with little kid like with children they don't like learn the lesson and then at the end they spout out and that's why you should blah 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 like they take it in little doses with themselves and that they don't just suddenly change and so to me it doesn't bother me that the themes and messaging aren't like as clear and I think that what would have been even been helpful for me is that maybe if we did, the movie, if I remember it, ends pretty abruptly. Like, she wakes up, you were there, you were there, you were there, it's all good, end of movie. And then maybe if we spent some time with... In a post-world? In a post-world, seeing her not only just interacting with YB, but interacting with her parents a little bit. And I'm not saying that it needs to be a lot of it, but, mm-hmm. you know, something of, maybe we just go downstairs to breakfast the next morning, and maybe instead of, like, whining about what's there, maybe she helps her mom. Or something, you know, like, not, and I don't, I, I don't even need a huge thing, just something small, as in showing me a little bit more that that's come through to her. Because I get that, like, that's what the whole thing is. It is about her learning to accept the people in her life for what they are and accept the love that they're that she is given and i appreciate that like that's a good solid yeah idea i, I guess the adding a final like the next morning would have been nice yeah and i mean and not even like and then the other thing is is you mentioned that it's not the parents journey to go on and while i a hundred percent agree with you on that they were kidnapped by a spider lady and placed into a snow globe, and then they just don't remember. Yeah, so they don't remember. You know? Exactly. In a weird way, if it was one of those things where they were like, what happened? Then they could have had this moment, too, of like, wait a minute. They just, like, 
our neglect of our child created this as well. And that's all I'm saying is like, it just felt like, and this again might be a problem with Coraline the book, not Coraline the movie. Well, I always find it interesting that the the stories that get told about this situation it's that it's that it's from the child's point of view. Right. It's always about like the parents don't have time for the children. I like it it's more popular from the child's point of view. Uh-huh. But like what would it be from the parent's point of view of the parent learning that lesson? Cuz essentially yeah. in most of these it's the kid learning like well, I gotta just do my best, and my yeah. parents still love me. Like, where are the parents, like, yeah. being t- held to task? Let's ha- and they'll have their day in court. Is it is it instant family? Is that the <laughs> one where the parents are, are... No, they love all those childs equally. They do, it's true. One of them's just hard <laughs> to love. Yeah, but she's also the most interesting. Yeah. Okay, you, we can't give those littles too much sometimes. Fair, fair enough. Um, I do like Coraline for what it is, and I'm not trying to make it be anything else other than what it is. I was just, and maybe it's because I have the hindsight of knowing that I think the rest of what Laika does, Mm -hmm. to me, comes together more satisfactorily than Coraline itself. And so maybe there is some hindsight of that that's affecting this movie for me, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, overall, I, it's a wonderful film. It, yeah. It's my favorite Henry Selleck, who I apologize for once calling you a Tim Burton creation. He just looks like one, okay? Fair enough. Is it the best Henry Selleck film? No, your favorite is The Nightmare no, no. Before Christmas. No, no. I, my favorite is The Nightmare Before Christmas. But is it the best? It's either one or two, Josh. Yeah. I'll, I will fight you to the death no, no. on one or I'm two. No, no. I'm agreeing with you that it's one or two. It's certainly not James or Monkey Bone. My um, name is Jay. <laughs> okay, but Henry Selleck didn't write that. Let's that was look. Randy. I know. We didn't. We got um, Bruno. Oh, what's his name? I was like, Bruno Marx? Uh, it's Bruno Calais uh, Calus, uh-huh. who has been declared the French Danny Elfman. Oh! Burn! That makes sense. He was like, I don't want this Elfman anymore. He was like, I'm tired of being a Kuraguette. I'm going to make music. (laughs) Henry Selleck was like, "Mm, we've already worked together, Danny. Let me get the French Danny. (laughs) What if it's just like, what if Bruno is just Danny Elfman with like a bagel and a beret? And he's like, my name is Bruno. Do you ever think of, like, at at some point, like, what if Bruno whatever comes across this and he's like, oh, they're talking about Laika. Will they mention Coraline? Let me listen. And then he's like, I am not Danny Elfman with a beret. (laughs) He certainly turned the podcast off at this point. With my disrespect of the French. Well, listen, Bruno, I like your score. It's a solid one. All right, everyone. So, number two. Number two is... Paranorman. Number four. Number two. Hey, we flip-flopped. We did. That means our one, three, five are probably the same. Yeah, okay, well, we don't need to get through yeah, that anymore. Great, yeah. Um, Paranorman is a film that I talked about on a recent episode, so I'm excited to kind of get Kylie's thoughts on Paranorman. Mm-hmm. Takes place in Massachusetts. Oh, okay. There you go. It's okay. One episode later, Josh, proven <laughs> wrong. Um, 
you know, I was watching this film and then someone says something, ah, probably like the fourth line in the film, and I was like, oh, I figured out what we gotta do for this film. And then the film kept going and I was like, yep. What was the line, what was said? Well, he's watching a zombie movie and the grandma's With like... With his dead grandma. And she's like, why don't they just talk to each other? And I was like, yep, why don't they just talk to each other? The problems of most movies, right there. Why don't you just talk to each other? Yep, and so then the rest of the film, I was like, well, you guys just need to talk. You just need to talk. You just need to talk. These zombies are fine. You just need to talk yeah, to them. Yeah, but there are zombies you around. You just need to talk to them. You just it's, need to talk to them. It's hard to talk to someone when a zombie's trying to eat you. Yeah, this film's a little bit strange of like, oh, I'm supposed to feel bad for these zombies. They're not trying to eat him! Because, like, essentially, like, these people form their own little witch hunt, and I'm like, okay, yeah, but they're zombies. What do you want us to do? Like, uh, I know that, like, maybe the zombies represent, like, something, like, uh, misunderstood people, but they're zombies. That's why I like Paranorman, <laughs> is because it takes this these horror ideals, and it kind of turns them on their head a little bit, and it wants you to look at them as other things besides zombies. And if you come to the conclusion at the end of the day, they're like, yeah, they're just zombies. Like, fine, that's good. I think that's a that's a fair conclusion for this movie. But it does at least ask you to look <laughs> at the creature coming at you, which I think is a really interesting thing that the film does. Um, I thought this film started strong. I like Norm. I don't, like, dislike this film. Norman's pretty cool. Like, he's just hanging out. Something that I didn't like... Uh-huh. Can I spoil this film? Uh, yes. <laughs> My brain thought here was on a separate thing, so before you spoil this film, okay. I want to say that I don't dislike any of the Leica films. Like, in terms of doing a ranking, sometimes it can be misconstrued as like, oh, it's four and five, you dislike it. I'm you like, no, this film? just something has to be down at four and five, and there are some that are better than others. We can tie. So, yes, there you go. Tie for number one. They're all <laughs> no. Um, but, yeah, so anyway, go on. Um, where, to me, so, like, okay, so... I was pretty much on board with this film, and I was having a good time. I was like, just talk to the zombies. You can talk to dead people. You should be fine. You shouldn't be afraid of these people. You talk to ghosts all the time. Right. You've probably talked to someone who's been electrocuted, like, in the chair for being a mass murderer. You live in Massachusetts. Fair. Right? You've yeah. probably had your fair share of serial killers that you've been able to talk to. But <laughs> I don't know if that... I don't know if that's true. He seems to pretty much just talk to the friendly dead people who live in his house and street. Yes. You know. Anyway, yeah. so. <laughs> so, the film is like, alright, there's a witch that we persecuted and it's causing us issues. And then I'm like, yeah, that probably would cause you issues, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, like, they go back in time and they show, they show the character and the character is a little girl. Uh-huh. And so, like, as an adult and as an audience member, you're, like... Seeing children in harm, there's a biological nature in us to automatically be like, oh no, this is not a good thing, and yeah. we automatically care. So for me, I was watching, and I was like, like yeah, I care for the little girl. Right. Sad things, right? Yeah. But I was like, why couldn't you still just make this a full-grown woman and make us feel sympathy for her and her plight? Mm -hmm. Making it a child automatically is like, oh, we're on board with this little girl. We feel bad for her. Well, right. maybe not on board, but we feel bad for her. We have sorrow for her. But if you make it the young woman who were the most victims of yeah. the witch trials... I think that it would have been saying something even more. And I don't know if it's like, we'll do a child because Paranorman's a child. But, like, I was just kind of like, you pulled your punch a little bit to even say, like, I know yeah. that they're a bunch of men, but you're pulling your punch of being like, well, 
women have issues too. And I think this goes into that deeper fundamental issue that I have with Laika, where it is inherently just about the white male perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's any story they're told is told through the white male perspective. Because, like, we might have already felt sympathy for if it was a young woman or a middle-aged woman or an older woman. If it was an adult woman, we may feel sympathy already because we have context of the witch trials. But they might have had to put more work into it. Yeah. And it would have been interesting to see that work. Even I, if this, like, lady has, like, magic powers. Yeah. Even I, more so. I think two things there. One, they I think they did the shortcut, and it is a shortcut, of putting a child there. Because as you said, you put a child there, we're going to have sympathy because it's a child. Like, no child deserves that to happen to them. Mm-hmm. To extrapolate upon that, which I wish they would have done, and I, I really agree with you on this on this point, I think if you put anybody in that situation, especially a full-grown woman in that situation, like, you're going to have sympathy for that character because of the situation that's presented, as well as if you know anything about the backstory of the Salem Witch Trials you should have sympathy for a lot of those women too mm-hmm. because they were unfairly persecuted. And the the movie itself could be a little bit more about unfair persecution and it's not. And I realize that's a heavy topic to be dealing with in a in a animated film. However You do it later on. You do it so well in two other of your films that it is disappointing as a studio when you don't do it successfully all the time. And not say that that has to be your thing. You don't have to be the, the, the studio that makes a point with all its films. Because one of the things that I have about Paranorman that I really love this film, in spite of the fact that it's not about anything. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a fun rumination on loss, not as good as their other one. It is... A really good group of characters that get together and have an adventure. It's an homage to Mm B-movies. And it's a good time. I really like this film. It's not anything special or important in terms of that issue. But, yeah, it's it's a good time. I do, again, just to to follow through this arc line of other issues in the film, I don't love the portrayal of the Anna Kendrick character. I don't like the way she's animated either. At all. Um, And and that's a real kind of hindrance to this movie as well. It just, it doesn't add a whole lot. So, Mm -hmm. again, that overarching kind of problem with Laika. But, yeah, I mean, I I like Paranorman. It is a, a fun time, but it's not much more than that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, Paranorman. All right. Uh, moving on. Box Trolls? Box Trolls! Number three. Number three. Okay, so. Never thought I'd have an animated film with a drag show, but here <laughs> we are. There we are, everybody. <laughs> um, oh, spoilers. Who, the Box Trolls? <laughs> I have a weird relationship with the Box Trolls Do as you a feel movie. like a Box Troll? <laughs> I feel like a Box Troll. Um, I want my name to be Paper, alright? And that, that'll be the box that I choose. Um, no. So, Box Trolls is a movie that I've seen quite a few times at this point. I think this was my fourth or fifth rewatch oh, of this movie. Oh, this is based on something. Is Here it? Be monsters. Oh, that is true. Mm-hmm. Now that you say that, okay. 
Yeah, it's by Alan Snow, who I know Alan Snow. I know, no, I don't know him. I know his name. Oh, um, point that I was going to make on Sorry. Paranorman that I forgot to make um, is co-directed by Chris Butler. Uh-huh. And the only reason why that name is important is because of outside of, like, Travis Knight, who has a really specific influence on Laika, Chris Butler is the only person to direct two films for Laika. Wow. He did uh, co-directed Paranorman and he solo directed Missing Link. Maybe don't try some things on your own, buddy. Maybe not. Maybe hire some ladies. Maybe work with that same guy you worked with on Paranorman. Maybe hire some ladies. So Box Trolls is Travis a- Knight. He's the Bumblebee. Bumblebee. Man. Yeah. So like, I don't, I don't, I think he's still involved with Leica, but he's now also doing his own projects. I mean, like you know, it's like Freddie Mercury went and did his own solo project too. Yeah, but we all saw Bohemian Rhapsody and saw how well that worked out. I'm only here to bring up <laughs> Green Book, not to bring up Bohemian Rhapsody. <sighs> Box Trolls is a film that I've seen like four or five times. Your favorite film? Not my time. favorite film of all time. I've seen it twice in theaters because, well, I didn't get to see the end of it the first time. So you've seen a one and a half. One in... One in like point... seven eighths. Okay. So... I'm in the theater in Regal. Are you a child? No, I'm by myself. It's like the nine or so whatever showing Uh of the box trolls. And there's like maybe five or six other groups in the theater. So there's maybe like ten people total. Okay. And we get to near the end of the film. And the Snatcher is having having its, uh, its big machine that it built. And it's catching on fire. I'm like, woo, fire all there. And then all of a sudden, smoke starts beaming into the theater. And I'm like, is this strangely appropriate? Like, is this a 4D effect? And then all of a sudden, the lights come on in the theater, and there's an usher telling us to please evacuate as quickly as possible. And we're like, what is, what is happening? Uh, and so we get out to the lobby and we're like, what's happening? And the, the, the person who was working behind the snack counter is like, some kid snuck up into the projection booth of box trolls and lit off fireworks. Like the little, like, poppy ones. So we had to evacuate the theater. Okay, so I watched this for the first time the other night. So I had to go back and watch it. Um, yeah. Watched it once and I was like, that's enough. I defended this film for a little bit to people, which is why I kept watching it. Because people kept being like, this film was dumb. I was like, no, it's not dumb. This film's kind of dumb, but it's not dumb. I don't. I like this film. I, I feel like I like what the box trolls represents more than I like the box trolls as a film. If that makes sense. Um, Why is Once Enough for you, Kylie? I don't know. Because, like... I don't got time. Ain't got time for these trolls? Yeah. These box trolls. Oh, uh, uh, so, like, it, you, just, you gotta let it mar- marinate before you go and watch it again. Yeah. 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 That's one of the things. It's one of the real things about this. You know, I was watching this film, and at first, I was like, I don't like this whole Richard Ayoade. How do you say his name? Ayoade? Oh, yes. Ayoade is right. Ayoade. Richard Ayoade's character of being, like, very much, like, yeah, I'm meta. 
And as I was watching it, I'm like, I'm not, I don't appreciate this madness in this film. But then as it kept going on, I was like, oh, maybe we need more people to be meta. Yeah. To think about whether they're doing the right thing or not. And then to change their actions. Yeah. Because they realize they're not the good guys. It's what, it's a real Captain Marvel It story. really is. I <laughs> like that subplot for those three characters. Yeah. Well, only two of them change. One yeah. of them's like. Tracy Morgan's still just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Again, to touch on some... Before I get into the things that I actually really like about this film, because I think there is a lot of things that I really like about this film. There's no people of color in this. But there's voices of color in this. Yes. Because Richard Ayoade and Tracy Morgan are actors of color, mm-hmm. and so it's... And half of Ben Kingsley. Half of Ben Kingsley. Mm-hmm. Although, good job, Ben Kingsley. I did not... Like, every time I come to this movie, I'm like, who's the snatcher? Ben Kingsley? Like, it doesn't sound like Ben Kingsley. He's doing a good voice. Okay. Does Ben Kingsley also do the voice of Frau Frau? I think so. Well, see, he deserved an Oscar yeah. for that. Because, like, I was like, well, he, like, it's the same character, but Ben Kingsley didn't do his voice. Oh, no, I'm pretty sure it's Ben the Kingsley can't sing. <laughs> well, little did you know. Ben Kingsley can sing. Yes. He can hold a tune. I shouldn't say he's, like... I do want to talk a little bit about what I do like about this movie, because I think on the whole, this movie is a really solid movie. Um, It's a little gross. I don't love the, like, that character eating cheese and, like, swelling up. That's hard to watch. Now we have to put leashes on him. Yep. We almost kill all the box trolls. Yeah. There's a crazy Simon Pegg. Yep. (laughs) That's not Simon Pegg. It is. It's Nick Frost. The father? It's Simon Pegg, Is Simon Pegg in this? I don't think it's Simon Pegg. Mr. Nick Frost is one of the bodyguards. Is one of the bodyguards. Yeah, and Simon Pegg is, is the, the father. father. No, you're probably right. I'm going to give that to you. I listen. Yeah. I, I, I listen. I listen to British people. <laughs> I don't just ignore them as British. Fair. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Um, The film itself, I really... I love the story of the relationship between eggs and fish. I love that it's about finding, you know, what a father is and what it can be. But also, this is where I said that, to me, I think the... Like a studio's whipping a little bit of message at you comes together the most clearly within the box trolls. Because this film is set up as a look at the patriarchal system and why it is the way that it is it looks at white privilege and its power and how literally one form of white privilege wants to have more privilege and therefore will create a rumor about a different race of people and hold that race down for its own platform and how we don't as now as a society we just believe the nonsense that's been spilled to us without doing our own research and therefore we can say a whole race of of beings are bad or scary or violent just because we've been told that way without doing any research and we just want to believe those things and that it's literally about the oppressions the systematic and institutional oppressions and racisms that are inherent in British and American societies and somehow the box trolls is the most prescient and relevant film that's ever been made i liked at the end how like he like he wasn't just like oh my biological father is now my real father i like that too he's like well fish but like you're close like eighth 
father. He's like, you did the right thing, but but fish. They raised me. Yeah. He's like, I'm, I'm a troll. Why are they afraid when he doesn't have a box on? Because that's that, rude. What? It's it's indecent. Is, is it you he, bring classy Kylie back here. She'll understand. Is it because he's snaky? It's because he's snaky. I mean, listen, there's a whole joke later in the film where, like, the box trolls get naked. so... Fanning is a very interesting character in this, to Yeah, me. I don't love that character. Let me say something. Okay. Very realistic. Yes. Unlike these children who are, like, all in for the gore and violence. And, yeah. like, like... Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, and when you get a little bit older, like, middle school years, it's like, serial killer. <laughs> like, you get... And so, like, I was like, I also like the joke where she's like, if you're just gonna eat me, get it over with. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, what a champ. <laughs> um, I also like that she does things. Yeah, she, like, she's an active character. She tries her hardest. She does. Um, she might be the most active female character in a Leica movie that's not Coraline. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about the other mother at all. The other mother's about. great. Yeah, she's, she's wonderful. She's yeah, great. like that's spot on. Eyes. She eats your eyes. Terrifying. She puts buttons on them. So your, so the buttons onto your eyes, which like eyes are something that freaks me out. Like, I don't touch my eyes. I love the way that like her like nail like claws mm-hmm. were. Oh, it's so creepy. Like it's so good. Sorry, I just I, but we didn't talk about the other mother, which is another I think good female character in the Like a Canon. Um, she's got motivation. She's got wants, needs, desires. Sure, they're murderous, but yeah. Harry Hatcher. Also, there's a weird thing throughout all of um, Leica with like nakedness, sexuality. It's kind of vaguely in these films because you've got like. Um, what are the downstairs actress ladies? Because, like, one of those ladies the is... Sisters. The sisters. One of those ladies is just flat out, like, pretty much just naked with, like, some shells on. Or stars? They might be stars. I don't um, really remember. And then... And then the trolls here... What about Paranorman? Uh, no, nobody's getting... But nobody's getting naked there, but again, the way that that... The way that Anna Kendrick's character is animated is not... Like, and then, um, what's his name's friend? I don't, Paranorman's friend. I don't remember Paranorman's friend's name. Um, he also sexualizes that character quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, doubly back to box trolls. I don't know. I don't know if I have much else to say. I like this movie. It's a, it's a really fun story. Yeah. Eggs is an interesting character. He doesn't have a lot going for him, but as I break down Laika, Laika seems to be a studio that outside of the one film we haven't talked about yet over the two episodes is the more you look they're passing the they pass but but the more you look at them you're like oh this might have just been some face value that was really fun yeah but i'm not trying to discount that because i do like their their films and them as a studio so just get some like i don't know other people in there get some people of color and women in there guys Mm -hmm. do it lgbt representation yep we could get you know people with disabilities in there to help out. Stop hiring white dudes. Sorry, I can never work a like it now. You're great. You don't need to. Okay, what if my job what if my job at Leica is to hire people? Nope. Because then I'm gonna hire the people that don't look like this. Josh, I'm gonna tell you something. Yeah, what's up? Yeah. I don't think they're gonna take you. Why not? 
I, I have a beard. I you have long hair. But you don't have billions of dollars in your pocket. Like okay. you can't just whip out like 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 thousand dollars and put it on the table. But I was on their website. Uh huh. And they're, they're like, you the they're hiring right now for what? Lots of things, including an HVAC repairman. So what if I just start out as the HVAC repairman and work my way up? Okay, so the next film we're going to talk about is Kubo and the Two Strings. Do you know how to repair stuff? I can figure it out. I can use Google. They have to literally... Why are they hiring someone then? If they could figure that out, they would have just done it. Anyways, so Kubo and the Two Strings, the best film... Shh, shh, shh. I once cited this as like, this is one of the last films... That even though it's animated and features people of color, but still voiced by white people. Because Uh following this, we start kind of turning with things like Coco. Even something like Ferdinand, which the animals are not Latino. All of the human characters are. Right. And so, like, this this was, like, one of the last ones that was, like... Yeah. And I will say that, um... In similar ways to, like, a Mulan. Um, Because Mulan, if you look at that casting, it's, like, kind of goes back and forth with, like, for every white actor, there is a person of color playing some character in there as well. I think And I think that some of the big things are, like, like, Donny Osmond is the singing voice of Shang. Yes, when they had Biddy Wong, who who can sing. sing. Um, And then... um, Maybe that's it, because Leah Salonga is the singing voice, and she is of Asian descent, mm-hmm. and Ming-Na Wen, and... Oh, uh, Harvey Firestein is in that movie. Does um, he play, play, like, the lady? No, he's the oh, the yeah, little okay. gruff guy. Yeah, okay. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I feel like there's more, and I'm just blanking on it. But, I mean, but, Eddie, but Murphy. Eddie Murphy. <laughs> but, like, I guess at least it's a person of color. So like that's a dragon. Yeah, dragon's gonna be dragon, played by right? everyone. Yeah, um, but doubling to Kubo, Kubo, as we said earlier, like all of its lead characters from R. Parkinson to Matthew McConaughey to Charlize Theron to Ray Fiennes Ray to Rooney Mara are all white. Uh, you do have George Takai in here, and I believe the voice of the old lady is also, if I remember, I remember looking it up, is also of Asian descent. I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but I remember thinking that to be true. So, yes, I want that to be said out loud, that I wish they would have done that. That being said, man, I love Kubo. This movie is gorgeous. It's emotional. Its story is so, so sad and yet adventurous and beautiful. Its characters take you on a journey that is much more than the journey that they're on. You feel that this family is trying to come together and that everybody is just here to help and support Kubo as he will eventually fight the Moon King, you know? And I just... This movie is beautiful in every sense of the word. And I can't watch this movie without breaking into gross, gross, ugly tears. that Matthew McConaughey is a beetle in this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Taking out all of the context that we just said. Yes. <laughs> Very strange. Yeah. But it works. I know. 
Like, it just works A so cowboy well. shouldn't be a beetle in this film. Like, all right, all right, all right, who, we're gonna go fight Moon King. Who was like, I know who I need to play Hanzo, the great warrior? Matthew. Yeah. Yeah. Matt. Matty. Matty. Matty, cool. We're still in the reconnaissance. Yeah. Oh, uh, we might be at the very end of the reconnaissance. Yeah. But... Interstellar is one of the final, like, the yes. end of it, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, I think this one still had enough, like, goodwill behind yes. it. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if this is really anyone sees this as, like, a McConaughey, McConaughey movie. McConaughey! Uh, Charlize is really wonderful in this movie, too. She grounds a lot of what's happening, and it's, it's just great. Yeah, she's an angry... Yeah. Mom, I and she's so tired of people's crap. Okay. Monkey might be the most active female character. Uh, probably true. <laughs> that, if I'm ranking them, it's, it's, it's Monkey. But she's also got her kindness to her. Yep. She's fair. She's like, stern, we're gonna die, the, but fair. These movies are, th- sorry, Kubo as a movie features the most complex characters that go that have actual different sides to them. They have different emotions, different arcs, different journeys. And ah, uh, I just love Kubo. Uh other quick casting thing, I'm sorry, you missed a golden opportunity. If you are going to cast twin witches and you're going to put one Mara sister in, don't put her as both voices. You cast the other Mara sister. How dare you? This is, this was, this is just a missed opportunity. There are two. Cast them both. Kylie is indifferent to that suggestion. Kate Mara is fine. Yeah. As a person. Uh, I mean, even as an actress, her career is nothing special. I mean, no. I'm not saying that, like, (laughs) Kate Mara is, like, be-all, end-all, like, needs... But, like, come on, man, like, Rooney's like, hey, I got Rooney, oh, I needed someone to play a sister. Kate Mara's, like, four seconds away from being Bryce Dallas Howard and voicing a dog. I mean... (laughs) Sorry, Josh Gad got there first. Bryce still got her chance. She did. She did. <laughs> Josh. Yeah. The dog's purpose too. Uh huh. I gonna be the greatest film ever. Is it called the dog's purpose too? No, two? it's like a dog's journey. Journey is no or a dog's, a dog's way, way home? home is the Bryce Dallas Howard and a dog's journey is with Dennis Quaid. Hollywood, you need Dennis Quaid to... has two movies coming out this year. Uh, yeah, that and the weird like the house movie. Yeah. No, not like House MD. The TV's not there anymore. No, it's over there. Yeah, this is gonna be great. Uh, do we have a Kubo episode? No. 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 We just talk about it a lot in 2016. We did it for the summer wrap up. Okay. I know it's number one for both of us. Yeah, Kubo comes out at the beginning of our podcast times. Okay. And we never put it on the schedule. Um, but we do talk about it in Summer Wrap-Up as our favorite film, and then I know we talk about it in our ranking of our favorite films of that year, because it's my number one film of 2016. So, yeah. So, there are other episodes if you want more. 2016? 16, yeah. Yeah. Right? Sorry, I thought you said 17. Oh, yeah, no, 16. Um, so if you want more of our thoughts on Kubo, go dig through our archives on friendofafriendpodcast.squarespace.com. You can find them there. Uh, yeah, cool, cool. 
the last one is Missing Link. Six. We have a whole five? episode about it. Six? Five? You're like, <laughs> I'm putting something else ahead of it. Five. Well, yeah. I mean, like, I find it interesting that Johnny Depp's character in Corpse Bride doesn't like either of these ladies. He just likes his piano. Well, maybe you know. that's what that movie should have been about. <gasps> Tim, call me up. Man who's in love with his piano. He thinks, like, there's, like, the, the ghost of his dead wife in it. Oh, okay. Now and you're on so... Tim Burton. Okay, uh-huh. Is it a Tim Timmy Tim Timmy Tim Tim piano? Yeah, spirals and stripes. Spirals and stripes, oh my! And we'll have like a very great. <laughs> We're not going to animate this. I'm sorry, Tim. I'm you're. <sighs> the thing is, Tim. From what I've heard, with your animated films, you're not really always there. <laughs> yeah. And therefore, we're going to make it live action. Now, the other thing is, I'm going to be there with you. Where okay. I say, that's lazy and uninspired. You can do better. Okay, but what I'm going to do is, I'm going to tell you and Tim. Uh-huh. Tim? Tim, Timmy, Tim, Timmy. Your budget on this film? Is six. No. It's the mortgage on your house. It's the mortgage on your house. That's what, that's what, like, that's what Emmy, Emmy Night Shyamalan did. Can I say something about Bloomhouse, Jason Bloom, real quick? So I've started listening to this new podcast about horror movies, and they bring up Jason Blumorat, and I'm a lot, and I'm always like, huh, interesting. And the things that they've said about him... They all seem very positive, or right. like things that they've brought up things that directors he's worked with have said about him. Uh-huh. Like, the guy who did Happy Death Day to You, who is an out... Gem of a film. An out gay man. Uh-huh. Like, with a lot of other producers, he gets a lot of pushback from things, but Jason Blum's like, whatever, man. You do what you gotta do. <laughs> you do you, just don't go over $10 million. And like, a film like Oculus, which was critically loved and like loved by horror audience and just overall we like high we hold it as like a pretty darn good film um people are like are you gonna make a sequel and jason blum says no (laughs) no need do you see my infinity gauntlet do i have two oculus stones here no i only need the one (laughs) what's on his What's on his gauntlet? Mm, that would be that's an interesting game. Let me let me take a look. Is this the new Mount Rushmore? Like no, no forget Mount Rushmore. What's on your gauntlet? gauntlet. <laughs> um, get out's one of them. Okay, can I can I can I rebrand that one? Can that one just be Jordan Peele? <laughs> just like Jordan in he's in the Soul Stone. You like here's Jordan. Me. There once was a girl. Man, you are you are into the red voice. Okay, okay. So, if we give one to Jordan Peele, I feel like we gotta give one to the Paranormal Activity. Yep, absolutely. Uh-huh. Which he did make twenty thousand of yes, those. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So Oculus. So we got three. I need. Do I need si- three more? Six. Six. Okay, yeah. so I need three more. Because there's one for each knuckle in the middle. I'm only gonna keep. Oh crap! Oh, this is so much pressure. Is, is M. Night Shyamalan one of them? Is think, M- it made so much I money. I think M. Night has to be on there now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Did he do the purges? Did he do all the purges? The purges? I don't think the purges is one of them. <laughs> they're just a, they're just like a powerful like hammer off to the side. <laughs> this is so much pressure. I need two more. Uh, okay, 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 okay. I, I would put the purge in there. Oh, you want to put the purge? All right. <laughs> just one yeah. more? Okay. Okay, are you keeping track of everything that I've said so far? I have a bunch of people and franchises and then I just have Oculus. I just have one Oculus. 
So far, you've got Jordan Peele, M. Night Shyamalan, Paranormal Activity, The Purge, Oculus. What's your? He did the Insidiouses. Did he do? Did oh. he do the other ones? Did he do the? Did he do the? Did he the do the Conjuring? Con... I don't know. He did not do the Conjuring. Yeah. Oh no, he only did the Insidiouses. I can't give it to Insidious. Oh, Insidious is good, but like, has a mistake. Didn't do the saws. I know. Oh my gosh. Is it Lowriders? Is it Blue Plus Tilt? <laughs> if anything, it would be it would be Black Klansman. Yeah, it, you could just put Tilt in there. <laughs> Tilt has its own. Yeah. Where so in there is Black Klansman, Whiplash, and Lowrider. Yeah. I just need one more. Halloween! The David Gordon Green. I did it, everyone. Uh, I'm sorry. Your gauntlet broke. Why? I don't think you can give him Halloween. Why? Because that's not originally his franchise. Yeah, he was the one that was like, I'll make all the money in the world. I am Jason Blum. I don't think. That's not his franchise. He talked to Carpenter. Everything else... Is all him? Is is him? All right. Where are you gonna give him then? Gem in the holograms, Josh? Yeah, I'm gonna give him tilt. <laughs> sniff, sniff. I'm just gonna nice. give him Bloomhouse tilt. That's gonna be his last How one. How many do we have? So we got M night. We got one. But we finished it. If you give him tilt, you're done. Oh, phew. Okay. Yeah. That was easy. Okay. I thought I had to fill in one more, Josh. That's why I was giving it to Halloween. No, you're fine. All right. Okay. You did it. Missing link. Um, not as good as anything else. Fine on the whole. Would show to a child. Would show to a child. We have a whole episode about it. Go listen to it. Um, what's your favorite fanning performance in a in a? Is it is it the girl from Box Trolls or is it Coraline? I have to pick one of those. I can't pick any other fanning performance. Well, in a like a film. There's... Yeah, if they've done other things in a like a film, go for it. They're so different, though. Yeah, they're the same, but they're so different. <laughs> I guess probably Dakota Fanning. Listen, at one point we were saving the Fannings, yeah. and Laika was helping us with that. And at one point we were going to save the wolves, and now we're only really interested in Alex. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, you know. Yeah, he's Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah. So which Fanning? <laughs> Dakota. Dakota. Yeah, I feel bad for her. Yeah. She got ensnared in the Tarantino trap. Oh, yeah. Get ready for her to be exploited. Yeah. All right, if you want to, oh, here we'll do a. Okay. We'll do a thing. Name like a film. Yeah. Well, can you buy at a movie theater concession stand? Popcorn. Soda. Candy. Water. Ice cream. Nachos. Slushy. Corn dogs. Pretzel. Hot dogs. Did you say liquor rope? No, I said candy. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe guess. we got there. Maybe we did it. All of it. Yeah. Oh, you can buy like alcohol at some of them. Yeah. Ice cream, espresso. There are now dining like theaters. Yeah, so, it's yeah. dumb. Yeah. Dinner and a movie doesn't mean at the same time. All right, everyone. If you want to catch us at other places, I'm sorry that this wasn't like. I thought I was giving you this great gift. I thought I gave you an infinity stone, and apparently all I did was hand you a broken Thor hammer. No, you gave us a tesseract. You gave us like, oh look, here's the here's the casing for the stone. Josh, if I tell you I don't know what the Tesseract means and I don't care for you to tell me right now. Well, you, so you see. Josh, it's almost your birthday. I'm so excited for you to get my gift. I'm excited. It sucks. <laughs> I literally thought you were going to say, it sucks. <laughs> it does. <laughs> but like, it's in a way that like, 
you need it. I'm excited. I am very excited. All right. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, friends, the next time we talk to you, we're going to be maybe doing something for my birthday? Quack, Undecided. Quack, 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 quack. quack. No, we got to give the content information. You can find us at friendsforfriendpodcasts.squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Leave us a five-star review or any star review and hit that subscribe button. You can also find Oops, us. There wasn't a, a subscribe button. And a little girl. And the little girl ignored the subscribe button. And the subscribe button was left in torment. We're going to keep doing this bit till you guys hit that button. Please just hit it. Bing, bing. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh. You can also find us on Facebook at Friend of a Friend Podcast. You can find us on YouTube at... Ducks Watch Together. Tumblers. Ducks Watch Together. Letterboxd. Darby ACT. And Kylie Callisher. I forgot Twitter. DWT underscore podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I've been... I've been Adelaide. And I'm Kylie. Quack, quack, quack. <laughs>